This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is up, team? Today, we are diving into the core training blueprint. Let's get it. I'm going to start this off with a bold statement. Everything you've been told about building a great core is a lie. Endless crunches aren't the answer. Now, most of us really have no idea how to build a core that both looks great and is functional. So I'm creating this episode not only to teach you how to build a strong and aesthetic core, but also to teach you the exact strategies my clients who are on a mission to take their core strength to their next level, to the next level, the strategies that they use. So here within my online coaching service, we're chasing more than abs that look great on Instagram. This guide is how you'll achieve functional core strength and stability along with the looks. We want you to move and feel just as good as you look. Basically think of like a Spartan warrior. We're chasing aesthetics and performance. Now, this starts with educating you on some common false beliefs around core training, teaching you the proper way to train your abs for both performance and aesthetics, and finally giving you actual real world examples so that you can build a great core for yourself. Now, like I said before, what most of us consider a great core is incorrect. It's so much more than just visible abs. Because really, abs that look great aren't necessarily strong. See, counter to popular belief, your core's most important role isn't getting you more more followers on Instagram. It's stabilizing your spine and helping your trunk resist movement, especially under heavy load. Now, if your training is anything like most online clients before they started coaching, or even how I trained until a couple years ago, You've probably done lots of crunches and leg raises and not much else. Now, the problem here is, well, let's focus on strictly spinal flexion movements. So basically think crunching and reverse crunching or leg raise variations where you're quote unquote flexing of the spine. These are fine for building up your six pack muscle, which is the rectus abdominis or the visible layer of muscle we consider our abs. Your core is many more muscles than just the rectus abdominis. So by only training spinal flexion, you're not training most of the muscles that help resist movement. So really when we're looking at like the different actions of your trunk, we have trunk flexion, which think bending forward or crunching, which is primarily controlled by rectus abdominis. Okay, so there like, if you're doing lots of crunches, leg raises, you're training that. But next we have trunk extension, which basically looks like bending backwards which comes down to your erector spinae. We have trunk rotation or twisting, which is controlled by your internal and external obliques. We have lateral trunk flexion, basically think when you're bending to the side, and this is caused by your obliques, your rectus abdominis, and your erector spinae. We have abdominal compression, so basically think if you're trying to pull your belly button to your spine, which is controlled by your transverse abdominis or TVA, and we have spinal stability, which is basically your spine staying stable during movement, which is controlled by the multifidus, transverse abdominis, obliques, and erector spinae. So as you can hear, 
Only training your rectus abdominis leaves a lot on the table when it comes to developing a truly functional core. Neglecting the rest of the core manifests itself as trouble stabilizing your trunk and often low, pack, low back pain when doing movements like squats and deadlifts, or even like an overhead press. This leaves you unable to get functionally strong and build the lean athletic body you want. To feel your strongest and most confident, you need to do more. Now, do you need to know exactly what the function of the multifidus is to build a strong core? No. Just understand that feeling your absolute strongest and best requires a lot more than just crunches. Now, before diving into the training strategy that I give my online clients to build a strong aesthetic core, I need to make one thing clear. You have to be lean in order to achieve a core that looks great. And getting lean comes primarily through your nutrition. So if you're on a mission to build your best core ever, but have no idea what you're doing with your nutrition, the reality is you'll never get there until you get lean enough through manipulating your nutrition properly. So if this sounds like you, hit the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with us. We'll hop on a strategy call. We'll talk you through the best nutrition strategies for you. And finally, it help you achieve that aesthetic body composition you're chasing. All right. So let's really dive into how to train your core for aesthetics. We're going to break this up into two different sections, how to train your core for aesthetics and how to train your core for function. So of course, when we're talking about how to train your core for aesthetics, we're talking about how to train your abs for looks. So here you're focusing on spinal flexion, which means the aesthetic portion of your training is going to consist of leg raises, knee raises, and reverse crunch variations, along with sit up and crunch variations. Now, a common mistake with this portion of training is doing thousands of reps, which really isn't necessary. Like every other muscle group, you're best suited to stick to the five to 30 rep ranges most of the time when training abs and pursue quote unquote effective reps. So this means basically most of your sets need to be within a few reps of failure. Now also know that low rep sets, so let's say less than five reps, with super high weight aren't great for abs because other muscles typically take over. Now your abs do recover quickly, meaning that most online clients can train abs three to five times per week with smart programming with no recovery issues. Thus, it makes more sense for you to train one to two ab movements multiple times per week than it does to have an entire quote unquote ab day. So a few movements you can incorporate to build more aesthetic abs that also tick the boxes we talked about before as far as like, hey, when it comes to building muscle, which is our main goal here, hypertrophy in your abdominal muscles, um, like a an eccentric focus, a full range of motion, etc. We have a few options here as far as crunches go. Cable crunches are a great option. Decline crunches are a great option. Weighted crunches are a great option. A V-up can potentially be a great option if we're like limited to floor-based movements. And in that case, like a weighted crunch can be a good option as well. Um, a Swiss ball crunch is going to allow full range of motion and a Sicilian crunch. Now past that point, again, like a floor-based crunch, like a weighted crunch, it's very much dependent on what the client has available. So like I have some clients training at home where like, hey, we are doing a lot more weighted crunches. But again, like if we look at the range of motion we can achieve there versus a decline sit up. And excuse me, I meant to say decline sit up, not decline crunch or a decline weighted sit up um, would be two good options, not a decline weighted crunch um, because those would allow more range of motion. 
But the reality is it depends on what you have to work with. But again, like if we look at these movements, ideally we'll be choosing the ones that have a greater range of motion, which is much more an issue with our crunch variations than our reverse crunch variations. So when it comes to reverse crunches, again, where we can typically achieve a more full range of motion regardless, we have reverse crunches, decline reverse crunches, hanging knee raises, hanging straight leg raises, and toes to bar here. So here I would really focus on the few movements from this list that really feel the best to you. Now, all that said, before we move on, there are a few very common mistakes that you need to look out for to get the most out of your ab training. Number one, one of the biggest mistakes I see is gonna be choosing movements with too short of a range of motion. As we've talked about, for building muscle, generally a fuller range of motion equals more muscle building stimulus with each rep. But again, like we just mentioned, many of the floor-based exercises most of us traditionally do have a very short range of motion. So for example, um, a cable crunch or a decline sit-up has a much greater range of motion potential than a negative crunch. Mistake number two is not controlling the negative portion of the rep. We know that muscle damage is potentially helpful for muscle growth. Most muscle damage occurs on the negative or quote unquote eccentric portion of the rep. However, most people pay no attention to controlling this portion of the rep and therefore struggle to build their abs. Mistake number three, again, as you mentioned, is just not using enough load. So building your abs is just like building any other muscle. Most effectively done in the five to 30 rep range, stopping three reps or less shy of failure. And then finally, inconsistent range of motion is a huge mistake. So you need to establish clear start and end points for each rep, because if you don't have those, it's impossible to gauge progress week to week. Similarly, if you have ab movements that you can really feel sometimes and not at other times, the problem is likely that you're just not taking it through the same range of motion as you were before. All right, and then that concludes the conversation on how to train your abs for aesthetics, and then we'll get into kind of how to tie all this together. Next, we have anti-movement training or training your core for strength and performance and function. Now, this portion of your training takes you from just looking good to the strength and confidence of, again, a Spartan warrior. Your core is geared up for functional strength and performance when you're training like this. Now, here we're using the term anti-movement training to encompass all the other core movements and muscle groups you don't hit when you're training your rectus abdominis. Now, if you're anything like me, <laughs> when you think about training for stability, which is again, basically what we're talking about here, you'd likely rather watch paint dry than hold a plank for 60 seconds. Shit is just straight up boring. Now, the idea that anti-movement training as a whole has to be ton of boring ass planks is an idea we're about to clear up. Because really there are so many more options out there than just, hey, I'm gonna hold a plank and I'm gonna linearly increase, increase time. Now, similar to your aesthetic focused work, you can train anti-movement a lot without any recovery issues. So for your strongest, most functional core, I would make a point to include at least one of each of the following categories into your program weekly. Anti-extension, anti-rotation, and anti-lateral flexion. Now, when we're talking about anti-extension, basically the goal here is to resist extension at the spine. So this would be movements like ab wheel, TRX fallouts, renegade rows, hollow body sweeps, hollow body flutter kicks, hollow body holds, long lever pelvic tilt planks, modified candlesticks, and slider body saws. 
when we're talking about anti-rotation, basically we're talking about movements where the goal is to resist rotation out of the spine. So this would be movements like anti-rotation dead bugs, very fitting name, um, Paloff press holds, renegade rows, Swiss ball stir the pots, bird dog rows, half kneeling push pulls, and landmine bus drivers. And then finally, when we're talking about anti-lateral flexion, here the goal is to resist bending sideways at the spine. So things like kettlebell bottoms up walks, um, farmer's walks, chaos farmer's walks, suitcase carries, zercher carries, side planks, side plank rows. All right, so you'll also notice that um, some of these movements were included in multiple categories. For example, a renegade row is both an anti-extension and anti-rotation movement. So we can really kill two birds with one stone by like programming a movement that encompasses several of these categories and not have to include as many core training movements across the course of a week. Now, when we're talking about training your core for function, breathing is also important. And really it's likely the most underrated aspect of a strong, stable core. None of the above matters without the ability to breathe, pro breathe properly. You need strong core muscles, but to really stabilize the spine, you also need to be able to create lots of intra-abdominal pressure. So breathing into your diaphragm is what will fully activate all these muscles and truly create a core that feels rock solid no matter what. Now, the ability to breathe deep into your belly and the development of your transverse abdominus muscles are intricately related. Now, I'm going to talk you through this concept like I do with online clients. So in general, the ability to breathe deep into your belly is important for your health because it relaxes you and promotes recovery along with, again, strengthening, strengthening your TBA or transverse abdominus. Now, when we're talking about lifting heavy weights, understanding the Valsalva maneuver is also very important. So the Valsalva maneuver is essentially pulling in a big belly full of air and then forcefully breathing out against a closed windpipe, meaning no air leaves your mouth or nose. This technique traps air in your lungs and creates pressure inside your abdomen. Again, intra-abdominal pressure, which stabilizes your torso against heavy loads. So here, I would really picture a plastic water bottle with no lid on. The water bottle can easily be crushed. However, if you throw a lid on that water bottle, the air inside pushes out against the walls of the bottle when you apply pressure, keeping it from being crushed. And this is essentially, in simplest terms, how the Valsalva maneuver works. As you attempt to lift heavy weights, the air trapped in your abdominal cavity helps keep the torso strong and rigid. Now, I should also note that for those at a high risk of cardiovascular problems, performing the Valsalva maneuver can be dangerous. Most others are okay to do this though. So let's walk through actually how to implement this. One, you're gonna start by pulling a big breath deep into your belly. Now, I want you to stick your, tongue in, or stick your thumb in your mouth and blow air against your thumb as hard as you can without actually letting any air leave your mouth or your nose. Now, you'll notice you kind of create a basketball belly here. You'll notice right away in your stomach, that air bubble kind of pushes outward through the bottom half of your stomach. That's exactly what we're chasing here in the Valsalva maneuver. And often even you might be lifting with a belt, you're really pushing against the belt. Basically, you're trying to expand um, your core outwards and not necessarily just in your stomach, but also through your obliques and even around your lower back. So tying all this together 
into the core training blueprint. From everything you've learned, we can apply these fundamental guidelines to your core training for aesthetics, strength, and functionality. So for aesthetics, it's a good idea to include two to three weekly flexion exercises. I would train these in the 18 to 25 range for about eight to 12 weekly sets. Make sure you're choosing at least one crunch and one reverse crunch variation. Um, and again, those should be movements that quote unquote feel good to you. For strength and functionality, include three to four anti-rotation exercises per week. Actually, we could probably change that to two to four anti-rotation exercises per week. Reps will vary, but generally six to 10 reps per side, or we could say 30 to 60 seconds of work is a good rule of thumb. And I would train these for anywhere from eight to 15 total sets per week. Include one focused on each anti-extension, anti-rotation, and anti-lateral flexion. Now, again, remember that you can kill two birds with one stone, and you can include, like, again, our example of a renegade row, which covers both anti-extension and anti-rotation. And realize here that, like, 16 sets per week is definitely on the higher end of this. I would honestly say, again, probably somewhere closer to 6 to 12 sets per week of anti-rotation is good as long as you're focusing on a few of those combo exercises. And then finally, don't forget to actually focus on creating lots of intra-abdominal pressure when you're performing a movement that creates a lot of load on your spine, like a squat, a deadlift, or a heavy press. All right, guys, and that is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in.